0: Bucknutters, welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, Buckeyes are on spring break this week. Hopefully all the young men are uh, not partying too hard, the ones that went on uh, vacation and didn't stay around Columbus. But, uh, you know, just uh, you know, we're just two practices in, so, you know, of course we're overanalyzing a lot of stuff. But um, so far, what has stood out to you from the Buckeye spring ball?
1: Well, I, I think first things first, the the most interesting thing for me has been just how much experimentation has been going on in the defensive positioning. Uh, You know, we all thought that Brandon White was going to just waltz onto the field again and start this year at safety, but they've had him repping heavily with the linebackers. And, you know, does that indicate that this is going to be sort of a defense that has a third linebacker that's one of those hybrid roles? You know, I was joking about in the bucket of bullets where they'll give it some sort of goofy, cool name, like the Viper, or the Thunder God or something. But like, you know, there's going to be a different look to this defense than we've seen in recent years. Um, and, you know, I, some of these cool nickname things for these roles have always, they're an overhyped role. I mean, you think Darren Lee didn't play essentially the same thing they're looking for at this point when he was at OSU? They're looking for a guy who can run and bring the wood. Um, but I think that experimentation makes things interesting. You know, did, did we expect your Cornell to be a defensive tackle? I know I didn't based on the depth of the End position, uh, you know, you're seeing Sean Wade still repping with safeties despite a lot of us believing Sean Wade should be a full-time corner. And guess what? They're going to be moving these guys around left and right to try to make sure you get the best players on the field. So I think the first thing that caught my eye was just the widespread experimentation. But when you had as bad of a year defensively last year as OSU did, that's probably a good thing to try to completely mix things up. I mean, beyond the defensive line, is there anything from last year we really want to carry over other than maybe the play of the safeties once Brendan White got on the field. So, you know, I I think it's a good thing that they're doing that kind of experimentation. And the other thing that caught my eye is, is that Justin Fields isn't just going to roll over Matt Baldwin for the starting job. Uh, I think we all believe that Fields is going to start based on his resume, his track record. The fact that unlike Baldwin, he's actually played a lot of football the last couple of years. People forget Matt Baldwin only started one year in high school and then he tore his ACL up and didn't play at all last year. So for him, you know, I think this is house money competing for the job against Fields right now. I think Baldwin came to OSU expecting a couple years before he really got an opportunity to start. But he's looked good so far, and he's going to be good enough that Fields is going to have to earn the job versus it being handed to him. And those are probably the two biggest things to come out of spring. But let's face it, this is the first two practices of spring football. This is the get them moving before spring break so we can spend a little bit of extra time – working with them directly if they stay in town sort of practices. You know, I think really the biggest question coming out of the first week is is that are we going to continue to get this much open practice access from the Ryan Day era, which would certainly be a welcome change from the bunker mentality of the Meyer years.
0: What's really cool is, especially from my perspective, we're going to get to see two full practices when the boys get back from break, and not right away, like you, but for the rest of spring, they now have 13 practices left, really 12 practices left, plus the spring game, which serves as the 15th and final practice. So over the next 12 practices, we're going to get to see two of them in their entirety. It's been since what um, one of the student appreciation days with Urban, so maybe a, maybe just a couple of years. I was going to say I was almost going to say it's been like five years. I think it was only two years ago because I think he opened it up for the media for the entire student appreciation day since so the students were going to be out there anyway. All these students it was going to be tough to keep the media out anyway, so. He just opened it up to the media as well. and Really, the public could have came out. If, but to be honest about it, there's really no way to do any quality control that day. But, man, when I first got in the beatbacks, uh, my first year was 2002, which I love to say is a great year to join the beat since Ohio State did pretty well in 2002. Jim Trestle, every practice during camp was open. What's funny is, uh, after practice for the first two weeks of camp, the number one story was Where's Derek Morris? What's going on with Derek Morris? Not about all these other storylines.
1: <laughs>
0: Where's Derek Morris at? For people that don't remember, and I'm definitely showing my age here. Uh, Derek Morris was a big time offensive tackle, five star offensive tackle from the Carolinas. Uh, that signed with Ohio State, but never played for Ohio State. Um, you know, ended up going to, I believe, NC State or something like that. Really, ne- never really did anything. Um, and, but he was a big time recruit. And after every practice, Jim Trestle, if almost, you know, the first thing, unless somebody jumped in there that, you know, that was, uh, you know, saying something new, the every, pretty much every practice for those first two weeks of camp, it was, what's going on with Derek Morris? But anyway, so practice used to be open a lot, then they pared it down, pared it down, pared it down. So we've gotten to see, um, a good amount of practice already with the first, Really the first half of practice for the first two practices were open to us. And like I said, we're going to get to see them do live scrimmaging these next couple weeks. So I cannot wait. Um, you mentioned the quarterbacks. It is very intriguing. Matthew Baldwin does look good, but when we've been out there, um, they have not been going live. I don't think they've they've been able to go live the first two uh, days of practice, but let's focus on Justin Fields for a second. I'll ask you about Matthew Baldwin. Yeah, Fields to me, and you read about this in the bucket. He's like it. He looks to me like a taller Troy Smith out there, and I'm not saying like they're carbon copies of each other, but just in terms of the way they throw the football, um, that effortless throwing motion you see from Justin Fields, but the, the ball jumps off his hand. It's a lot like Troy, where it looks like he's just out there, not even really trying when he throws it, but he can just heave it and gun it. But he also can put good touch on the ball. Yeah, he's been a little erratic. We've been out there, but hey, um, I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, nerves and everything. But I like what I'm seeing out of Justin Fields backs.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with the Troy Smith comparison, obviously, on a very significant level. Um, You know, both you and I have sort of been saying that, I think, for a little while here behind the scenes. And I think a real good comparison for another thing that Troy did is at the start of Troy's career, Troy was a guy who half the time he'd be like, and Ted Ginn's not open, I'm running the ball, right? That Michigan game in 2004, he ran for like 150 yards, right? Uh, the, the famous upset where osu had no chance and at the end of the game santonio holmes runs out puts his helmet down at center field and laughs at lloyd carr you know i, I i'm also showing my age here but whatever um you know i i think that you're going to see the same from fields is that he's a, a he's a great passing quarterback let us not understate that he was a guy who a lot of people compared favorably with trevor freaking lawrence coming out of high school but he's got that athletic ability to run the ball and tuck it if need be. And I think if he gets more comfortable in the system, is more comfortable and has more chemistry with his weapons at the receiver position, he's going to run the ball less. But I would not be surprised to see him sort of tucking it and going a little bit earlier on in his tenure because he has that ability to run the ball. And, look, he might not be Braxton Miller. He might not even be JT Barrett, but he's fast and he's he's fairly mobile. So that's going to be a part of his repertoire that, you know, we really didn't see much from Dwayne Haskins last year. And, You know, while I think the ability to throw the football is far more important than a quarterback to run the ball if you want to win at the highest level, Fields has both those elements to him. So, you know, he's got a gun. He's a great runner. He's going to be a player who I believe a lot of us are strongly expecting to have a great year. And with all the receiver weapons OSU has coming back, KJ Hill, people forget about Austin Mack because he got hurt at Purdue, Benjamin Victor, who is just potential waiting to turn into practicality. For multiple years running now, Chris Olave, you've got a whole set of guys who can catch the ball. You know, Fields could be in line for a really spectacular year, assuming he earns the job, which is the interesting part right now about quarterback.
0: And looking in the secondary, you touched on earlier with Brendan White. Uh, I was going to ask you about that, but you already touched on that, um, him playing that Viper or, you know, um, Bone Crusher position. we got to find this. we we got to keep, like, being ridiculous with the name. Um, the Thor oh, Roll. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Uh, we can come up with so many funny names for that. Uh, Wolverine Smasher. Um, but uh, um, some other guys I think are looking good. A couple of safeties, Josh Proctor and Amir Reap. Amir Reap's kind of like a forgotten man. I mean, I've I've always liked him. I was out there the first day of practice. It's like sensory, it's like sensory overload while you're out there because there's so much going on and you're so happy to be out there and and just balls are whizzing by and guy, you know, everybody doing their position drills. And I had a little bit of a brain freeze. I looked over because there's this number 10 who looked really good with the DBs. And I'm like, I had to to think about it. I'm like, who's number 10? And I'm just like, duh.
1: Devon Torrance. (laughs)
0: The <laughs> only a guy that's been, is that, is that Troy Smith playing DB now? Has he lost a lot of weight? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Rex Kern, uh, Art Schleister. You know, but um, I'm looking over, I'm like, who's number 10? And then I hit me, I'm like, oh, yeah, Amir Reap. Only guy that's been here for three years now. And I've always liked his game on special teams. He's getting after it. I mean, he's the guy that I look at, and I'm like, man, it's going to be tough to keep him off the field. Then you look over, Josh Proctor's making plays, coming over, stepping in front of, making good plays on – the ball it looks like it's a well thrown ball, and he's, you know, just steps right in front of it and makes a, an interception. And he's a guy. Here's one thing: it, um, I've mentioned this on the show before, but I think of only one time um, at Rose Bowl Media Day uh, when. Alex Grinch was still uh, wearing the scarlet and gray and wasn't sure what his future was going to be. I asked him, you know, give me a future star, give me somebody who's going to be like a future star here, and he said Josh Proctor is going to be a future star at Ohio State, so that is Alex Grinch saying that about um, Josh Proctor, so those are a couple guys you know Sean Wade, you mentioned him in the bucket and earlier you know he's a guy that I know you want to see him play corner, and that's it something yep. I, I and I agree with you i I think what they're going to do with Sean Wade is move him around from nickel corner, play a little safety, move him around almost like his own version of moving from, you know, Brendan White moving positions from safety down to linebacker and back and forth. Wade's going to go back and forth to different defensive back positions. But I think Josh Proctor and Amir Reap, those are guys that not a lot of people are talking about backs that I think need to play this year and will play this year.
1: We've heard a lot of things about Proctor behind the scenes too. Uh, You know, he was the frequent entry to the boarding house, if you will, of, oh, well, you know, down the line, you know, Josh Proctor looks like he's going to be a player. And let's not forget, he was a really highly rated recruit coming out of high school, one of the top safeties in America. So, you know, he's a guy who certainly could make an impact. And, hey, maybe the reason they're considering moving Brendan White towards the line of scrimmage is because they have all these other guys they think may fill that role really well next to Jordan Fuller, who, when we were talking about safeties, we still haven't mentioned the guy who's likely an NFL draft pick and a potentially high one after the season, Jordan Fuller. But I don't think we're moving him, though, so... (laughs) <laughs> you know, that that's probably why we haven't mentioned him. He's just kind of just a given, but, you know, and Amir Reap, remember last year we all thought he was going to really get an opportunity to play a lot and then it just didn't pan out that way? Sometimes these guys take an extra year to arrive. I remember talking about Marshawn Lattimore for two straight years and it was, you know, hamstring injuries that were holding him out or whatever, right? And then boom, out of nowhere, he's finally healthy, he gets on the field and you're like, wow, that guy's really good. Okay. Maybe that's the kind of impact you're going to see from, from Reap and Proctor. It just wouldn't surprise me. And Let's face it, we're not completely confident at all that last year's coaching staff was putting the best players on the field. In fact, I'm pretty confident in saying that they didn't after seeing Jason Witt play so much and Isaiah Pryor play so much, and then Brendan White comes basically on the field out of sheer necessity and plays his, like with his hair on fire the rest of the year. So there's potentially some very quality players that have not seen the field that maybe under a different administration would have already seen the field, and we already would have known, yeah, yeah, that guy's really good. We're good there, right? That's part of these open practices you're talking about that's going to really give us the opportunity to look at these guys with our own two eyes. It's not going to be, dude, some former player was at practice and he swears everybody's a beast. No, this is open to the public. This is us getting a chance to see these guys. And in the past, we haven't really had that opportunity. I mean, it, it, you get sued in, uh, you know, Appreciation Day or whatever, but you don't really get much else. This year we're going to know a lot more about what OSU really has during the spring. And and uh, I I can't wait to see what we're going to get to see over the next year or the next couple of weeks. It's going to be so much fun.
0: All right, last thing here on the uh, very long show here on the very improperly named Bucknuts Morning Five. Hey people, it's like you know, like we have a very loyal listener. I hope he listens to the show. Well, now that I'm calling a loyal li- loyal listener, Walt Sears, and he said a long time ago, we said how you know, we make fun of the show called the Bucknuts Morning Five. How it's never five minutes. He's like, ah, you know, I never think of it that you guys meant five minutes. It's kind of like take five, and you know, you. If you're at a job somewhere and you you take five, usually that turns in like 15, 20 minutes anyway when you quote-unquote take five. So we like to make fun of the very improperly named Bucknuts Morning Five. But last topic here in the Bucknuts Morning... 20 or whatever it is today. Um, 2020 football recruiting for the Buckeyes. Now seven commitments in the class. They are ranked number one in the Big Ten, number five in the country. They've got plenty of spots available. Uh, the most recent commitment, of course, a couple days ago, three-star offensive tackle Trey LaRue. I won't be surprised if he's a four-star offensive tackle Trey LaRue be- before it's all said and done. Young man from Norwalk, Ohio, um, 6'8", 320. You can't teach that. Um Bill Green was saying his feet are a little slow. But, hey, I think, you know, once they get him with Mickey Marotti, you can certainly improve that, as Bill Green pointed out. Um, just your thoughts back on the 2020 class thus far and just your expectations for this 2020 class overall. They already have four offensive linemen in this class out of the seven kids, which, which I like. But just your, your thoughts on the 2020 class for the Buckeyes.
1: Well, you hit on the number one thing, which is offensive linemen. We've heard for how long now that they want at least six linemen in this class. They've already got four. Uh, and that's critical because that's a spot where you need these guys in the system to percolate for a year or two before they go out and start more often than not. Not everybody's Michael Jordan or Michael Brewster who just walk right on the field as freshmen playing on the offensive line position. In fact, I'd argue that's maybe the hardest position to play as a true freshman in college football is on the offensive line. So, you know, you need to get these kids in the class. You need to get them, um, you know, your numbers in place to be able to get this group going so that your 2022 or 2023 offensive lines have depth and talent. Uh, and Ohio State this year has made a very different tack, if you will, about how they're recruiting linemen and particularly players from the state of Ohio. Ryan Day's not waiting. A kid like LaRue in the past, OSU may well have said, hey, he's really interested in going to Purdue or Michigan State or wherever, right, and said, hey, you know, we'll circle back around even after he's committed and try to flip him if we need the numbers, right? There's some kid from Florida who, you know, we have rated three spots above him on the line. Well, Brian Day's like this kid's gonna be really good. He's from Ohio, and they're virtually the same recruit. Let's just take him. And I think that's a big attitude shift. That said, I'm still expecting this to be a starling class. So this isn't going to be all you know the infamous or famous, however you prefer to look at it. Jim Tressel, Ohio projects that are the 27th ranked player in the state of Ohio, and you're like, wow, that guy could turn out to be really, really good, like Darren Lee. Except most of them don't turn out to be Darren Lee. I think you're going to have a lot of highly touted players in this class. I think a lot of offensive players, in particular. Uh, are going to be looking at Ohio State as a place you want to be under Ryan Day. Ryan Day has got a little bit of that mystique already. And if Ohio State goes out and has another great year offensively, that would be the third straight year under Ryan Day with three different quarterbacks that had a really strong offensive season. If Justin Fields is or even Matthew Baldwin is able to put that together this year, then you're going to have OSU in a position where they could really be a major destination school, even more so than they are right now, for elite offensive players. And that's sort of my expectation, is Ryan Day is going to be playing up the potential on the offensive side of the ball here. I think the other thing that's going to be really interesting to watch is how does the defensive recruiting pan out? Look, kids that are great athletes are going to want to come to Ohio State regardless of position, but you don't have that same mystique here on defense that you right now do on offense. Even Urban Meyer, the association was, yeah, it's it's Urban Meyer, offensive guy, but look at all these defensive backs that have come through Ohio State. Your biggest pull right now as a defensive staff is how good is Larry Johnson? How good are you going to be under Larry Johnson? And I think if Ohio State staff can continue to convince a lot of these elite defensive backs and other players like that to come to OSU and provide another year of continuity, even with the staff changeover, then you're going to continue to see these top five classes stack on top of each other at Ohio State. And I don't think there's a bigger thing that makes a difference for teams winning national championships than stacking elite classes, because at college football, it's as much about the talent as it is about the coaching. You know, you don't get the same time as you do in the NFL, and the big advantage of a coach like Nick Saban has, you know, uh, for example, everybody asks, why was Nick Saban so good now, but he sucked at Michigan State? Well, the truth is, you didn't get the same quality of player at Michigan State. Ohio State's been good for so long because Ohio high school football is excellent, and Ohio State's been getting the best Ohioans, and then they've been able to have coaches who can get some of the best players from around the country elsewise to come here. So that talent advantage that Ohio State has over everyone in the Big Ten and almost everyone in the country, I expect to continue under Ryan Day, no question about it.
0: Great stuff, as always, from the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Appreciate it, Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is, of course, the bucket. It is must read material. So thank you very much to Bax. And thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning to the show. I appreciate that as well. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear the Buckeye swag. Best damn band in the land. <laughs>